You now tuned into the hottest podcast in the world, the Stay Woke Podcast, right here on the SonicBreakdown.com. Man, it's time to wake up. Time to wake up. Get this cake up. Get this cake up. Only thing I care about Welcome back to another Stay Woke Podcast. This is D Ray Brinson, and you know the Stay Woke Podcast is presented by the SonicBreakdown.com. So today we're going to have another um, a special episode of uh, the Jay-Z footnotes. And here's the conclusion for the footnotes for Many Face God. I do want to segue the emotional aspect into relationships and how, as men, um, our emotional availability or unavailability affects relationships. Um, and the quote that kind of segued into this is the, the Chris Rock quote of, um, women want want us to need them, but if we get to the point where we need them, they don't want us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just thought that was interesting because of again that for me that touches back to the emotional availability of being able to communicate with your significant other, your spouse, your loved one, uh, whoever you're in the relationship with. But in the society that we live in, where men aren't supposed to have emotions. How do you how how do you balance that? I mean, I, I think I, I I go back to the concept when we go in relationships where this would be a little bit off point, but you get what but I mean later where you see a guy just cussing out a, a female. The first thing most people want to do is go defend the female, no matter what the conversation's about, no matter what it is. Oh my God, you shouldn't talk to her like that. Don't call her a bitch. All this other stuff. But now now when we flip that around and she's physically beating you down while emotionally. And verbally attacking you, what do we see on the other side? We see people laughing, people uh, making gestures. So to me, when it goes into those relationships, guys are taught that any kind of weakness, including having emotions, um, uh, um, showing emotion, even for your significant other from love itself, which why guys have such a hard time even saying the words, I love you, or they say it and don't mean it and use it as a weapon. So... Every way mankind has been shown that men can't be themselves. So if he's upset about something you did, he's not supposed to really show it. He's supposed to suck it up like we always tell him and get over it. If mm-hmm. if you get hit in the face by your female, if she don't even hit that hard, suck it up, bro. Be a man. You, you hear these terms where it stunts your psychological intelligence, your, your emotional intelligence, because it's telling you to be one way and one way only and reject how you feel. Reject your emotions. Reject if you're miserable. If if you you hate your life, it's okay. Don't don't worry about it. Be a man, suck it up and, and go through it. You have to do it. Not and never we do we have that conversation. It was, yo, right now it looks like you're having a hard time. And when we start doing that, people because of how we were taught, guys start to get uncomfortable again. And they're like, Nope, I don't want to do this no more, which is why guys are the smallest population when it comes to seeing therapists, but the highest population of going to jail for doing something stupid. <laughs> it's because instead right. of talking our emotions out like we should. We, like we said before, we get physical. And so especially when it comes to our relationships, unfortunately, a lot of guys can't handle their emotions. So instead of having the conversation like they should, they're now beating up other females. And they, in some cases, this I know this, a lot of people are going to give me slack, but psychologically it does tell you that these, some of these males do love their significant others, even when they hit them, but they don't know how to uh, uh, truly show their emotions, which comes off evil as hell because... They shouldn't be in a relationship because they got to fix themselves. Yeah, that, no, that actually makes sense. Not in the way that not directly, but no, mm-hmm. no, no, that that make well, that's their way of showing mm-hmm. love. If that's been the what they've grown up seeing, mm-hmm. then they're going to internal in many cases going to internalize that behavior one way or another. And yeah. if that's the way that they saw, like maybe it was their parents or it was domestic violence thing, mm-hmm. that's the way that they interpreted a person showing love. Then they. Then that the the history will repeat itself in a lot of cases. Not every case, but in a lot of cases that that's what happens. Is a lot of it is through learned behavior. Mm-hmm. A lot of this from and generally the people that you grow up around, um, or what you see of representations of love is influences a lot of how you will treat, you know, the women in your life. And I I know that for myself, it's for all the things that we've mentioned. It's like you know the whole. It's been. Like for me, it's been trial and error of just okay, almost kind of like okay. If you approach this situation like this, you're gonna receive this type of response. Mm-hmm. So if you do it another way, you're gonna get this type. Of, so understanding kind of the triggers, I guess, like emotional triggers, like what what will set people off with, and 
really understanding. I I think with me the 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 hardest thing, but the most valuable uh, trait I've been able to learn. I think um, especially um, emotionally in in relationships is being able to listen and be a passive listener. So not necessarily listening with the intent to ask a question or in general, I know with myself, usually if someone brings a, you know, a topic to me, whatever, I'm going to logically think of the answer, the best way I'm going to process your set. You're giving me a problem. I'm going to logically think of how to respond to that. But mm-hmm. with women, it's not, they, they don't, they don't want that. It's no, I want you, I want an emotional, I, I want an emotional response. Tell yeah. me how you I, feel about this. I don't so want that, you to fix it. I just yeah. want it to be heard. I want it to be heard. Exactly. Exactly that. So, and that was such a hard concept for me to wrap my head around. Same like, here. <laughs> like it's, it's, is the hard, particularly if you're used to operating a certain way mm-hmm. to, to say, okay, no, I want you to think about this differently. And you don't have the emotional intelligence around it. Or you don't necessarily feel like you have the tools around it. You say, I don't even understand where to start. Mm-hmm. No, and I I don't want to piggyback off that. I I definitely agree with you, Spence. That's that was a very and still is a very hard um issue with me. Is the same thing as you said is if you bring me a problem, my natural instinct is to fix it. That's just me. I don't care. It can be anybody. If you come to me with a problem, my brain naturally is gonna go, okay, how am I gonna fix this problem? Based on the information that they're giving me. What would I do to get to the end result of their goal? That's naturally how my brain works. So, as you said, if you're with a woman or a significant other, or whatever, that doesn't necessarily want that, that is going to be a hard trigger or a hard thing to rewire, rewire your brain to say, because you're not telling your brain to, to not still think of the problem. Your brain can still think of the problem. It just don't verbalize it. Yep. <laughs> just don't say anything. Don't. Yeah. Don't Shut verbalize it. Yeah. Don't verbalize mm-hmm. it. Because even when you're thinking of the 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 answer or the solution to the problem, you're still taking in the information. You're still actively you're you're Active listening, listening yeah. to to make sure you're getting as much of the information you can. But again, like I said, you don't have to verbalize it, and that is a process. And uh, like I said. Whew, I'm still to, working you have on to that unlearn one. that behavior, and that's I think that's yeah. what what a lot of people don't necessarily want to do when it comes to um, being emotionally intelligent. Re- people are more likely to maybe do that like uh, if it's like an academic thing. It's like, oh, okay, well, here's another way how to solve this problem because. But that's it, how we're yeah. taught. Right. To, when you see a problem, literally, that's that's literally how school teaches you. They give you a problem and they say fix it All every right. time. Word problem, problem, fix it. Two plus two, problem, fix it. So. It's, it's ingrained in us. And then right. as when we go back to that ma- the male concept, society tells us that you are, what's, what's the title? Mr. Fix-It. Yeah. Right. So you try to be Mr. Fix-It till that becomes who you are. And for me, like, like D-Ray and you were saying about the fix-it, mine was always the part after. When you realize you can't fix it, showing that empathy was my hardest, mm-hmm. the, the continuing empathy. Because I used to have the biggest problem of like, I get you're upset. I, I truly understand you're upset, but nothing I can do about it Seems to be nothing you can do about it, so I'm just gonna do my own thing. So like I would I would get in that kind of trouble where a female would be upset about something and I'm just sitting there playing my video games, enjoying my life, because like I can't do anything about your problem. Do you want me to sit here and be miserable with you? And I, I had to learn mm. that, yes, that's what they want you to do. And that was my problem because I'm like, I, I'm not about to Misery Look. loves company. Yeah, misery. and I'm not I'm not co-signing <laughs> to that. So I don't I don't want I don't want nobody in my mentions. <laughs> I am not co-signing that one i'm just saying when it comes to the empathy actually being able to show that which not 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 just that you're having feeling that emotion but you care that they're feeling that emotion no that that's real me? though I, I, i'm <laughs> laughing but i'm only laughing because the way you said it but no it's, it's that it's tough though because if you don't if you honestly don't feel the same way about someone else and they're in a different emotional state yeah. than you and you don't necessarily want if you're in say a good mood and the other person's set, shitty and mood the, and you don't necessarily want to you know vibrate well to that you don't want to go into that space because that's, you don't want that yeah. rainy clown on your sunny day. You honestly don't. <laughs> don't and kill my vibe. You don't. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. You like, don't want it. Real you don't though. want it. So yeah. that was my hardest thing to do in a relationship because I would just let you do you, and I was like, "Oh, you gonna give me a sign treatment? That's cool. I'm playing video games anyway." That that's that's <laughs> perfect. So how do you deal with that emotional struggle with in relationships? Like as you said. Some people use the silent treatment. Some people, other forms of passive aggressive. Some get physical. Some, um, 
you know, just walk out the relationship and just say, fuck it, I'm on to the next one. What is your your way of, of dealing with a power struggle in a relationship? Because to me, it is somewhat of a power yeah. struggle. Yeah. Um, Mine has been just understanding because uh, I guess that's one thing that I, I one of my better skills I can understand better than I can always show the emotion you want. So with, with the people I've been in relationship with and currently my current girlfriend has been about five years where when she is going some, through something or some, some problem, some good or bad, it's just understanding how that person feels and giving my genuine emotion about it, but making sure it's within the, you can say the limits of what it should be. So like, like that, for example, would be if my, my girl said something with her auntie, or uncle, something bad in the family, I may not really care about that person, but I understand she cares about that person. Mm -hmm. So I understand that I need to be there for her right. in the concept of, I know right now I wanted to play my video games. I was in the middle of Array, Destiny 2, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but right now to help the person I do care about, I need to be understanding right. and I need to get off these sticks and hey... I know you like Grey's Anatomy. I hate this show with extreme passion, and I know this will make you feel better. I'm going to go make you some food. I hate cooking, but I got you some food, and we're going to watch a show. Just showing that you support and want to be there for the person was how I've learned to... Emotional availability. Yeah, You're that understanding to, is for me, yeah. And I think for men, too, because I'm very similar in that aspect in terms of what I've learned to do is like in terms of working through now of... I asked the question out. I'll, I'll, I'll just say, how can I support you? Mm -hmm. Just how can I support? Just I don't. I'm not going to come up with it myself. I want you to tell me the best way because regardless whether I feel like I can do something maybe better, it's it's not. It's only going to be better in my eyes because if I I need to meet you where you're at for for whatever it is. So let me ask you a question then because. I've run into that where, where I've tried that or that that's always an option, mm -hmm. but you then you get hit with this question or this statement. So, baby, how can I support you? I don't know. Bam. Okay. So, <laughs> so no, 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 no. So, all right. So, so exactly what you're talking about. What one of the things you mentioned is like, oh, I'll show up. I may cook for you. I'll do do things. I think with men, a lot of times, the way that we show our support or love is through a physical deed or action. Yeah. So that means, like, for example, yes. with me. The way I show up in, in terms of like, I know if like, for example, my girlfriend's stressed out or something, or um, she's coming from out of town, you know, back back in town, I make sure like, like the house is together, like the house looks clean or whatever, something like that. So, because I know like, for example, with me, if I'm coming in, I'm stressed out about a lot of things. The last thing I want to do is, you know, come in and like, there's this, you know, this is hell dishes in the kitchen, like yeah. there's no food, like all these other things. Cause it's just, it just adds on or, to the problems that I'm already having. The so straw that like, broke the camel's back. The straw so, that, so knocking out all those other things is like, all right, cool. Well, you know, I, I came in, all right, well, you know, everything, you know, just straight in house. I'm so all. glad you said that because there's this book that literally breaks down exactly what we're talking about right here at this point. It's called The Seven Languages of Love. Mm -hmm. And the re this book is one of the things that kind of helped me get my understanding and making my relationship work. No matter what y'all say, you do need some work even in a successful relationship because everybody can involve. If you're yeah. not but constantly working, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Real talk. It's so this book talks about that in general, there's seven signs or seven languages that everyone speaks in love. Where um, one example is, is, is uh, the monetary love. You, you like getting things. One of it is showing me things. One of them is it's showing it um, emotional support. So it's each sign that some people have a dominant way of showing love. And for men in general, there's two dominant ones. And you spoke on it straight up is showing the actual of, babe, I know I normally don't do the dishes, but I got the dishes today. I'm going to I'm gonna do these things that you've been telling me to do because I love you. And that's me showing you I love you, even though I may not say the words, I may not snuggle with you, I may not want to watch your shows, but like, I fixed this for you. I, I broke a door. And, this, and if you don't start to understand those languages, that's why relationships don't work, where a female, her way of seeing and feeling love, a particular one, this type of example, may be saying the words I love you, your, your verbal commands, your, your hugging me, those, those uh, personal skills, those physical yeah. contacts. And you may be still showing your sign, I'm fixing the house, I pay the rent and all this stuff, but that's not how she expresses love. Right. So she doesn't, she doesn't feel it. She understands that you are trying, but if you don't and learn how to speak those same languages, even sometimes, then a relationship can evolve. And men don't like learning that new concepts of showing their emotions into showing their love. We, we've always been taught this is the way we love. And we have right. to learn to be, evolve past that because if not, 
This is how relationships never work. And a lot of times it's what we would appreciate. So yeah. that's what that's what we do to to show up. We, it's like, what do I like? All right, well, I like this, so therefore I will give you this. this. Mm-hmm. That goes to the old saying, treat others how you want to be treated. So that's, I mean, that saying, all sayings come up for a reason. And you're exactly right. People do things usually in the response and how they want things back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean, as you said, the other person, that's what they want. And to piggyback off what you said, Reddy, is I don't necessarily think that you have to convert how you show love. Um, I think I, I think that, yes, that is one approach, and that can help if you can convert and you can learn. But the other is just simply understanding. Yeah. yeah. If you simply understand, like, uh, it, it, let's say in that same example, if she understands, she didn't understand before, but she understands now when he does this, this, mm-hmm. this, A, B, and C, every time he does A, B, and C, That's love. this is him saying I love you mm-hmm. because he does not do this for anybody else that, mm-hmm. that, that he has love for, but not the same type of love. And that's and what I was talking about earlier, that's that what understanding. I mean. It's that understanding yeah. of saying, it's major. oh, well, he stopped doing this, then he might not be in love with me as much as he said because he... This is what this is. He showed me the. This is his love language. Yeah, and I think women quantify love differently. Yeah, or, or, very, or very they, differently. Very, or they yeah. have so, the ability or, to, or, of course. Yeah, so that's maybe why not I those seven languages. Because right. there's there's certain ones that are specifically like one of them is communication itself. You may not do nothing for me. You may not do this, but you just telling me and verbally saying I love you. You're the apple of my eye is a form of love that is more dominant on one side than another. Yeah. So that that's why that like I love that book because I took the one I realized who I was was understanding in that language. I can understand you love me better than I may uh see the express aspect it. yeah, express it. But in that when we go back to that level of communication cuz that's even without a language of love that's a building block of any relationship. If you cannot communicate a relationship cannot be evolved. So with like D-Ray was saying earlier which was a valid point that I love that he made is if something's wrong with me if I'm happy about something, if I'm upset about something, something's going on in my life. In a relationship, if you don't communicate that, there's no way we can stay together because I don't know you because you don't talk to me. We don't have that ongoing conversation. Right. Something that was in the video that really like was, I, I watched the video several times, you know, very, you know, various times, and every time I see the video, the same part sticks out to me, and it's uh, I don't know the the, the gentleman's name. Um, but he's in the room talking to Jay-Z and all the people. And he's saying, you know, yeah, Tata was saying to me that, you know, uh, I tell my son to cry all the time. And he's like, you know, I had a deep conversation with him. And I told him, yeah, I'll, I'll cry in front of a man all the time, but I'll still punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, why did I have to quantify that? Why did I, like, why couldn't I just be okay with saying, you know, I cry. I cry in front of a man. and and similar topic that it bothers me in society is men nowadays with this whole de- idea of pause. You know, when, when you say you make um, something that might be strewed, screwed as homophobic or um, not homophobic, but... Um, feminine. That, anything feminine. that can be perceived as feminine. Yeah, yeah. straight Any, up. Thank yeah. you. I, I, I can express it but th- that's exactly it anything that's considered feminine or non-masculine like you this, have to put a a pause on it because the, like the concept of back in the day of no homo right? yeah or same thing mm-hmm. pause is just an evolution of no homo mm-hmm. it's, it's they're making it more pc right. but to me <laughs> if you're securing your masculinity gay straight whatever i don't care if you if you if you like animals like you don't need to qualify your statement of you don't need to qualify your statements you are who you are there you don't and especially, to me, it's it's more bothersome. And, and when you're having like serious conversations, and and you say something, and you go, "Oh, I gotta pause." That. No, if we're having a serious conversation, I know what you meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, it's I know so, you didn't it's mean. So annoying. Like if if I say, "Hey, bro, can you pass me that Arrowhead water?" Like, "Oh, that's head." No, pause. <laughs> no, I don't. You don't need to say that. You know exactly what I was referring to. And if you and if you took. That's that if word. you took that, that's you, not me. That's exactly what's so <laughs> that's, annoying about that. That's like, you, not me. no one else is, no one else is going there except for you. Yeah, yeah, like, that's that's what I'm saying. Like that's you, not like me. You I don't need to pause yeah. that. <laughs> you need to pause that because that's in your mind, not mine. When I said it, I said it in the terms, in the sentence, in the construct of how I meant it. Yeah, but e- even when, it, even without that one statement, even the other concept where you said earlier is if if a if a man comes up and like, yo, bro, I honestly need a hug. 
someone had after that you basically in, to today's society you got to say pause or no homo because someone's gonna be like oh you're being soft you're being feminine you're being gay you something like that when you legitimately be like bro i just need a hug like and there's it, nothing wrong there's with nothing that wrong with a hug, nothing, bro. scientifically it shows you someone that gets more hugs is not only happier but they live longer because that that humanistic concept yeah. that contact is what we need as as society yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's a human quality that we all need and this to me touches on the idea of emotional training and, and that, i think that's why the lack of emotional training the lack of being able to express ourselves and i i, I want to take that into society because i even think there's women that are, are not myself. that are afraid to say how they really feel like yeah. if if me going outside makes you upset even if that doesn't make any sense <laughs> you have the right to tell me that makes me upset now does that mean i'm gonna stop going outside no but at least i know that's this is causing this emotion from you. And I think the problem is something you just brought up that is occurring to me now. I think the other issue when we talk about, you know, whether you want to call it toxic masculinity or whatever, it's not just that men buy into It's not just like only men believe this. Women there's do too. Of, there's plenty of women that believe this and will raise their sons built on these same stereotypes of, of, of this idea of like, okay, not just so much of oh I need someone to protect me, but you need be to be tough. yeah you need to be tough, overly aggressive. There's gender and, roles. Um, yeah, you need to be tough. You need to you need to know how to work on your car. You need to be good with their hands. Like nah, like that does, that doesn't quantify. Like you that as doesn't a man. yeah that doesn't quantify that that has nothing to do with me as as an individual person. No, what that has to do with is My if preference. those are the traits that you want for your child or whatever. That should be regardless of if it's a man or a woman. And and I mean. think one of the other things too that that is I've I've literally seen examples of this and and have been around this and stuff. People have this idea of like, for example, if you're quote unquote like you're you're more street than somebody else, that that more makes you man. more of a man. But there's I I've seen plenty of examples like people go out and you know they'll run the streets or whatever like they'll just be out, but they're not necessarily you know they're not taking care of the responsibilities like their family. Mm-hmm. So are you really more of a man? Like, are, are you though? I don't think so. I honestly don't. You're not really, because to me, what part of what makes a man, whatever is you have to, you have to take care of your family. Like that's you and yours. Yep. You, you have to, like, that's just part of it. Mm-hmm. That's not even, it's not even like a negotiable thing. Like that's just, yeah. that, it really shouldn't even go without saying it's like, yeah, you're going to do that. Like, period. Period. <laughs> like that's, that's what you do. Bold so, period. It's like it's almost like with someone with bragging is like, yeah, you know, and like I'm taking care of my child. It's like, right, that's your job. Yeah, like, that, it, that's expected. That's like that you. Chris Rock. You want a cookie for that? Yeah, like, yeah. no, you doing your job. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> but, what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you're, you're doing no, we're not gonna get no participation or awards for what you're supposed to do. Do that, what you're supposed to do. We get you everything for extra. It just kind of makes me think about the evolution of what it means to be a man, but just kind of what both for D-Ray as well as Spence said, is like D-Ray was saying about the concept of are you a man if you can repair a car or are, are you less of a man if you know nuclear physics? One's more hands-on, one's more scientific. Does either one of them change your your qualifications of being a man? No, nope. it's, just, it's just different aspects of what you're into. Like mm-hmm. I've always hated the concept that someone that's a jock or someone that plays football, basketball, or some kind of sports, they're more manly because they can beat your ass because they're 300 pounds, but yet somebody that can literally build a nuclear bomb in their basement is less of a man because we're going by the concept of brute force. One of them is a lot more technically brute force than the other one, but it's all the perception right? that we, we want to have. Most of the time when you see, when someone says be a man, it's never the concept of intelligence and or uh, or... Those those psychological emotional aspects is always a physical physiological trait that can technically be improved or can can di- dissipate. But like you said earlier, to be a man in my book is take care of you and yours, your family, your possessions. Like the concept of we we now have to say, oh, I take care of mine. That has to be something that needs to be said. No, that should be a given. I you're it should be like I was born, I had kids, and I raised them. That should that should all be like. Something that's right. mandatory, but now we got to say, we got to quantify like, oh yeah, I, I'm one of the ones that raised my kids, but yet he's not a man. You know what I'm saying? Like weekend dads or not being a dad doesn't make you a man to me because you, you're not really doing what a man's supposed to do, which is to protect his own and to raise his own. If you're an absent father, you're not there. You're not raising your kids and you're letting 
the baby mama, grandmother, grandfather, someone else, raise your mm -hmm. kids. You can never come to me and say, you're a man. You're not a grown ass man. You're a little boy running away from his responsibilities. Part of what makes you a man is owning up to what it is to be a man, what it is to be a responsible person in today's society. Running away from that shows that you're not mature enough to say you're a man to me. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's again, going back to the point of like, you not being able to put someone else um, before yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, world, we wanted to take a quick break from this episode to remind my woke folks about a friend slash a family of the podcast, Andrea, who has her own podcast. She has a great podcast to check out called Unsupervised Adulting. If you haven't given it a listen, go right after this episode of on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud to do so. If you have heard it, then you're already ahead of the game, but you can leave her a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. Andrea is a funny person who definitely gives truthful and interesting perspectives, as she says on previous Stay Woke podcast episodes, that she is trying to figure this life thing out. You can listen to Andrea on Unsupervised Adulting by clicking the link in the description or visiting her website. Now back to our scheduled program. What I want to say is, based on all the things that we talked about today, is one of the recurring themes is mental health and the, the emotional and mental aspect of being a man. And based on the, the the things that we talked about today, it seems like therapy and dealing with mental health could be one of the resolutions to curbing this this stigma or this ideology of 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 man. Is that something that you guys agree with as as one of the a step in moving towards debunking this this idea? Absolutely. I think everyone needs to go to therapy. <laughs> even if especially blunt with it love it <laughs> especially even if they're feeling good because there's other things that even when you're feeling good you there's techniques and things that you can learn that it will allow you to i guess stay kind of in that position a lot more than you know like oh, okay i'm this is just a fleeting thing versus like all right well you know you can work on you know work work on things that you know you need to unpack that you may not have thought about or that you've been you know have kept buried and stuff i think that's the I I really I wish therapy was just kind of like part of the school or something like that because we teach you know um, intelligence in the form of like arithmetic and and studying history and things like that and taking tests but I really wish emotional intelligence was was somehow brought into that too because I I think that's so important in terms of being a well rounded person um, in the way you approach other people and in, in in becoming an adult regardless male or female whatever like it's that's all that's all part of it it's become becoming a well-rounded person so having you know the physical exercise having the mental exercise you know you 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 know you're learning critical thinking and then you're you're reading learning these new concepts and and applying different theories and then also understanding you know where your emotions lie and how to unpack and like a, a better way to respond respond to people versus um using violence or something like that like understanding there's other avenues in terms of you can, you know, you can be happy in a lot of ways or just unpacking other situations. So even if you get in a confrontation with someone, like understanding maybe both of you are wrong, maybe both of you are right. And it's just the way of how you approached it. So And uh, real quick, um, that just reminded me, I just was watching the Chris Brown documentary with my girl last night, actually, because really she loves some Chris Brown. And actually, it, it, was, it, really it was really good. good. It was a really good documentary. It was, um, yeah. it was very enlightening. Um, so I, I suggest people to check that out. Um, but one of the things that you were saying about, you know, therapy helps people learn how to cope with things and therapy gave Chris Brown art. He went back to like not not being an artist like a musician. I'm talking about I'm talking about literally drawing and painting yeah. and that he even stayed. It helps, you know, him deal with his anger issues, his frustrations. Um, other things that therapy can teach you is, you know, if you write it down, you know, instead of lashing out at somebody and saying a lot of hurtful things, write down what you're going to say, read it over. And then you'll see like, damn, there's in some cases you'll, you might read it and be like, damn, I was going to say some hurtful ass shit. Oh yeah. I'm glad I got it out here. Then dumped it on somebody that didn't deserve it. So I definitely agree with you that therapy, I think is beneficial. Um, I kind of just want to touch on both of that. I want to compare it to something else. When we think about public health, you're, you're just your regular health. If I cut my arm right now, right? Not one of y'all have an MD. 
right? Unless unless y'all got it when I wasn't I around. I am so a biology major, you, you, though. You, but. Can, you cannot probably stitch up my arm, right? So I what I what I got to do? I got to go to the doctor, right? And right on the average, I got to go to the doctor. He may be, but you know, depending on the, the level. I wouldn't suggest it, but I could do it. Okay, <laughs> depending on the level, you got to go to the doctor, a mm-hmm. professional that has been trained to help you right. when you want to get in shape. Really, when you're really serious about getting in shape, and I want to get my, I want to be sexy. You don't usually just go to the gym unless you already been. Someone's taught you how to go to the gym. You get a personal trainer. You go to specific places that are designed. Nutritionist. Nutritionist yeah. designed to help mm. you get better. But we don't think about that when we have mental health. We, we start having people hear things or start having like, oh my God, I'm anxious to leave my house or I'm so sad. But our first concept is not, hey, for every other aspect of health, I go to see a professional. Mm-hmm. But you know what? For this one, it's just my brain. I'm going to deal with that at home. Right. And we right. don't think about that when, like you said, Everybody really should go to a therapist because when we actually this is this is a test called um uh cans. Um yeah, it's children needs assessment. It's basically 15 questions that it's just generalized questions to see how traumatic your childhood was. And I know that sounds really weird, but when you really take this test, yes or no questions. If you get more than three, you've had enough trauma in your lifetime to want have to see a therapist. And on an average of them, I'll give you four questions that I'm pretty sure everybody in this room has happened. Have you got beat before with a spank? Yes. Yeah, Most of it. Have you been grounded for a long period of time? You yeah. probably have. Yeah. Have you seen your brother, siblings, mother, dad, father, any relative ever get hit? You probably have. Have you seen anybody get drunk or use drugs around you before the age of 18? You probably have. If you get a score of more than four, you have enough trauma or enough crisis level experiences in your life where you should see a therapist because even though you feel like it may not be affecting you, Every aspect of things that happen in your life impedes on aspects of your life. You may no longer think about it, but your psyche still does. Yeah, affects your actions. Yeah, if you've never got past it, you just buried it. When we go back to those those, those problems, you just buried it. It's affecting your actions in every aspect, even when you don't know it. When people finally go to therapy, they realize it's not the whole Sigmund and Freud thing. I'm not going to tell you, lay on this couch and how does that make you feel? Right. That's not real psychology. It's a conversation. And, and so it's a real conversation. It's like this. It's sitting down where if you ever have a real psychiatrist that really wants to help you, because that's a whole different subject, that, that really wants to help you, they're really going to, they're not going to tell you how you feel. They're going to ask you questions in the first session because they need to know you. Right. I can't help you in any capacity if I see you for 10 minutes and like, yep, you have problems. We all got problems. What, as you start telling me about yourself, what you decide to disclose, you realize when you have a therapist, you thought you wouldn't say things, but you're if you get one that really fills with you, because it's like fills you, mm-hmm. you're gonna start telling them things that you didn't realize you wanted to tell someone. And then it opens up and you start realizing that a lot more has been on your chest, a lot more has been on your mind. So you evolve. Right. And, and you feel better too, you usually do. after the session because you released it. Yeah, you've released that. And it's it's a different Feeling than just you know uh, you dropping the dumbbells or something like that <laughs> because it's a real pressure is a it's, it's a real pressure if it, valve if it was, yeah if it was a, if it was a pressure cooker you're actually really pressing that button to relieve some pressure it might not be all of it but you're relieving yeah. some but when you're in that gym and you drop that dumbbell you didn't relieve any pressure all you did was transfer the pressure to a different area and the reason why a lot of people stop going after the first time is just like the gym. The first time you go to the gym after several months, what happens? That first day you come after the gym, you're, you're drained, you're yeah. sore, you're tired. And after that first real ass hour session with a psychiatrist, that next day, you're psychologically drained because you just realize if you really went in there and tried, you just let off more stuff or you told this person stuff that you never told anybody. You never even thought about telling anybody. Oh, you did, but they didn't react the way you thought because right. you like, hey, I... I did this one jacked up thing when I was a child. You're expecting someone to gasp and, oh my God, you're an evil person. But then you have the psychiatrist that's like, okay. Or so, the person didn't ask the proper follow-up questions yep, to right. make you reflect and realize What's next? why you did what you did. Mm-hmm. And So it's, that's it's why it is important. I agree with you. Um, I do want to touch on something that Spencer said as well. And I agree with you. I think therapy should be for everybody. I think the yeah. way that, the way that people view... Um, going to the dentist at least once a year, getting your eye checked once a year, getting a physical once a year. You should also have a therapy session once at year. least once a year as just to check your mental state. And for hopefully you can get you know a good therapist, just like you have your family doctor that can track and say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, last year you were really down, you know, what yada yada, yada this this this. Mm-hmm. And this year you you're you're up to kind of assess outside of yourself and to kind of guide you to a happier, more fruitful life um because with anything you only can see what you can see sometimes you have to take 
somebody has to be able to step outside of your world to mm-hmm. see things from a different perspective to give you clarity on issues that you might have. And there's nothing wrong with accepting that. Just like with every uh, therapist, uh, psychologist, you're not going to vibe with everyone. You got to find the right Damn one. Right. Just like with your personal uh, personal trainer, with your dentist, you're not going to like every dentist you go to. You're mm-hmm. not going to like every ophthalmologist you see. But when you find that right one and you vibe right, you click. things things get better. You, and if we're taking out mental health and we're just talking about physical health, when you go to the doctor, in the case of your arm, your arm feels better than when you when you first went, before you went in. Right. If, if, if it's done right, you will feel better leaving than you did coming in. And the part that I think a lot of people forget with that too is where, um, so did, since this got into it, like we, we go to our actual uh, doctors and we, we inadvertently tell them a lot of our psychological problems because a lot of psychological problems are somatic. Basically your body is, your brain is giving your body signals because your brain is not doing well. So when you're really depressed, you, you feel physically tired. You can have physical aches. You can have right. physical pains. And we tell our doctors this, which I'm thankfully now living in California. They have certain uh, standards that they have to go by when they hear somatic symptoms. They have to, you know, refer you to a psychiatrist because they're like, yo, bro, this this, this is not really a physical problem. Yeah, I know you're feeling physical pain, but this is a problem. With it's your, a manifestation. It's a manifestation right. of what's going on with your, with your brain. And people, are always, like I said earlier, they forget that the brain is a part of your body. Like I, I When I say this, it sounds so stupid, but I, I swear to God, I, I do this every day where people really forget like if you're not mentally doing well, your body is probably not doing well. Everything else falls apart. And people don't put that together. They only see the physical. But when, when we refer to sports, what do we say? If you kill the head of the snake, the body will fall. Mm-hmm. But we, we understand that concept outside yeah. of mental health. <laughs> but inside mental health, it's, it's strewed. With this whole idea of mental health and everything is, as men, we're also viewed and, and shown not to show emotions, as we've been stating. Um, but I also think, which this video also led to, I, I believe it was Michael Che saying, you know, he was like, we act like things don't hurt us. So people do, do things to hurt us. And then we continue to act like it doesn't hurt us. And they keep on doing it. So we're kind of, we're putting ourselves in a cycle to continuously get hurt more and more and more. Right. I th- I think personally with that, it it's like this, like it's like a never ending loop. Or the loop ends when you had that outburst when mm-hmm. it, it when you fi- when the pressure has become too much and you finally react snap. respond snap however however wherever that you know that manifests and it may not be in the same place where you're getting that trauma or stress from you can mm-hmm. have you you know you could be really getting chewed out at work and then that mm-hmm. comes home and then that results in that could be a, you know. A result like that turns into domestic violence or something like that, like in, in the extreme case. Uh, or, but but not even in extreme. It, it, even if we do, let's say not say it's DV, you could be you can just got chewed off by your boss and get on Bart, and someone bump into you, right, seemingly yeah. unmeaning to, not trying to cause something, and that was literally that that straw that broke that camel's right. back. Where you just and people say it all the time, like it wasn't even that serious, but I beat the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's. There's so much of that, I think, because particularly in the U.S., I think a lot of people are overworked. Yeah. And we don't, and as Americans, we don't really take vacation. Yeah. Or at that time. Because we live, to, we live we, to work. Yeah. And if we look Instead. at the, uh, the, the uh, statistical breakdown right now, and we, we, technically everybody here is a form of millennial, okay? Mm-hmm. So millennials have taken the least amount of vacation out of every group in the last 100 years. And at first they thought it was just because, you know, we had to because we needed the, we needed the money. But when they actually did a, de- a deeper dive, it was not because we needed the money, it's because we wanted the success. Yeah, so that we, we think we have to yes. to get that level of success or that if, because the, the, the problem with that as well is people associate money, success, and happiness as one, as one thing. And it's not. So if you're not where you financially think you should be or want to be at, then you tell yourself you're not happy. So or you're not you, a man. Or you're not a man. Or, or that, And then I have to work more to get to that status or that level. But uh, there was actually just a research I just saw, I think on Twitter, actually maybe today, about that they did a study showing that three hours of work might actually make you more productive mm-hmm. than a full eight hours of work. Because that balance again, that that idea of you need... You that rest. Men- you need that rest, that mental space, that mental time to 
debrief to allow your subconscious to come up with the answers that your conscious is too overwhelmed with daily life to to figure out the answer to. And you can only concentrate for so long. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. When they did they did some real studies around like work and work hours, and they, right now the the actual best place to work is actually Australia because Australia does three or four day work weeks, and their hmm. their three day work weeks are six hours. Uh, Six to eight hours. You only work three days, and then the four day work weeks are only four to six because they want to make sure that the whole time you're at work, you're working. working. Yeah. And I mean, I, I I work in an office, and I'm gonna be honest with you. If you ever watch the show, The Office, there's a lot of people at time because you can't work six hours nonstop on anything because you you fry your brain out after a while. Well, like, you can, but not every day. Yeah, not every day. Not not forty hours. And they also say right. that gives you the least amount of productive work. When we go to Australia, the reason why they have some of the most highest architects, happiest people is because you work the right amount that your brain can still focus on work or right. one constant task that's not your probably your passion. Because most of us work because we have to. It's not we don't always work on our passion. That's what they make sure in Australia that you can go home and work on your passion so you're still happy when you go to work for your basic nine to one or whatever, because it makes more sense for you. It gives you happiness. It gives you more productivity, and it makes a work environment better for you and all coworkers around you. It's it's simple common sense. Like you can't even if you you everyone here has gone to the eye doctors. If you ever sit down for a desk, what do I tell you? You should not stare at a screen for more than two hours. It right. starts to mess with your eyes. You should not sit down for more than two hours. It starts to mess up your spine, which is why most jobs really make you have that mandatory fifteen minute break, but it's still not enough because right. fifteen minutes in. Two 15-minute breaks and a 30-minute lunch, you're not breaking up enough of your daily routine of sedentary lifestyle. You stay unhealthy, you stay mentally unwell, and you become more aggressive. And that's why they also started developing those desks that mm-hmm. levitate or stand elevate up. up so that you can stand up yeah, stand to, desk, yeah. to, to give your body that, that kind of jolt. But I, I want to I move this conversation now to the... There was a final part of that, that video um, where they kind of give themselves their own moral grade based on what they think would be um, you know normal grades a through f grade yourselves what would you more give your moral because this this podcast is the moral dilemma so what would you grade your you yourself morally you want to go first mr (laughs) d-ray i want to hear your your opinion i mean i'll go first uh to be honest with you i think if i were to ask the 10 10 years ago myself this question I think the 10-year-ago self would have said probably a B, but realistically, it was more a DF, to be honest. No, actually, I'm going to go with F, to be real with you. <laughs> um, but what I would say now is, um, through a lot, of, a lot of personal growth, a lot of working on myself, a lot of reflection, I tend to reflect. I try, I try to daily take, a, take at least five to 10 minutes out of the day, usually towards the end of the day or the next morning when I'm in the shower to sit and think about the previous day and think about my interactions, similar to what um, Spence said on a previous podcast, think about my interactions with the people that day or the day before and see either what I could have did better to make the interaction better or to accomplish the goals that I wanted or whatever, just taking, kind of pulling myself out of the situation and seeing how, if I approach it differently, how would it change the scenario? And so I think as a, as a result of doing that consistently, I'm probably now at about, a C minus. <laughs> and but I'm I'm constantly, constantly, constantly striving to be an A. And um it's a constant struggle. There's some days where I think I, I you know, I did really good. And then there's other days where I, I think I went back to the ten year me where I'm I'm at enough. But as I, I for me, as long as I feel like I'm trying to constantly improve and then I'm being realistic about what I think my moral um grade is then I'm okay with it because it's about progress for me, not about where you're at, but where you're trying to get to. Um, so that's Beautiful. that's where I'm at. I would say, just kind of thinking about it, um, I've been going. I think what we've spoken about is kind of going through stages and mm-hmm. and a lot of in a lot of different ways. And particularly when it comes around wisdom, one of the things I've brought up a few times, or I've used the phrase trial and error. Um, so it's been a lot and it's been a lot of error, but I think what's great about that is I'm not making the same mistakes that I was making before. So it's progress. That's progress. I've been more committed to some of the values that I put kind of on myself in terms of like what I would want to be more disciplined about. And particularly it's like, you know, kind of 
really like trying to keep my word when it comes to when I make, you know, if I have a responsibility or, or something like that. And then also, which we we touched on, um, understanding how important, particularly in the last few years, understanding how important mental health is in terms of being able to function and understanding when I, when to pull back, when to go forward, when, or when I'm doing too much or what, like just being a lot more aware of that and being, you know, if I'm like, oh, do I really want to be in this situation? No, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to suggest myself to that. Um, so I'd say, I'd, I'd definitely say like, Every day is gets graded differently. Yeah, definitely. If we're just being honest, some days I feel like I've had an A, an A day. Other days is it's definitely an F. <laughs> it's 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 just an F. Like it just I wasn't I wasn't here for it. It didn't seem like anyone else was here for it. I it wasn't. Yeah, I didn't accomplish. I wasn't productive. I didn't feel good about whatever. So yeah, I think. But so if we're gonna average that out, uh, we'll just we'll just call it an even C. Call it an even C. It's a, it's a constant work in progress. That's a respectable yeah. grade. <laughs> I got it. It's passing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's passing. You know, so it's again like it's it's like on a day day to day basis. So check with me tomorrow. It may you know <laughs> maybe completely different. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I may be doing great. So we'll see. No, but I, I have to I have to kind of agree with that because like when by both of y'all were thinking uh, talking, I was thinking about like what was mine, and I was like, you know. Couple of days ago, I felt like I was freaking fucking awesome. Like I was, I was the most morally, you know, best person ever. Then I was like, bet you know, last week I was pretty corrupt as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I was trying to find like that middle ground, and like you know, I, I was kind of going with both of y'all. Where I have to give myself like a C, you know, C C plus, but where it goes up and down a deviation, you know, because I never think I'm truly an A because A, like, like, like kind of like the video said, I think that dude's a jerk. Because if you're morally A. That means you 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 automatically have to judge people at a certain concept if you're at that A. As well as, I don't think I'm ever an F anymore. I think there was a time period I was, but I think I've got to the point where I realized like, yo, that the D is the farthest I the farthest I can go. I, I need to. I've learned to the point where when I'm about to get to the level where I'm really about to do something that I shouldn't, I can at least catch myself to stop myself from going completely through like a reset. Yeah, like a reset. And I know that's that D. Like, yo, you fucked up a lot today, but you didn't cross the line. So that's why, like, I really feel like I fluctuate from really like that B to a uh, D to maybe like I would never say a B plus. I'll just say like a solid B. Like, I'm a good person on average, you know what I'm saying? But we all have our falls, and I, I think that's that's what the when we really grade ourselves morally. If you can give yourself an A or an F, you either know you're a really fucked up person or you think you're a lot better than you are. I'll say um, I just want to add that the the thing that. If I had to pick something out of the moral compass or the moral realm that I think that I am uh, proficient at and then something that I'm not proficient at, I say one of the things that I think I am proficient at is trying to make sure that everybody in the situation is not slighted. You can't always stop somebody from feeling slighted, but you can stop yourself from trying to slight somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I do have a, a strong proficiency at is, and sometimes it's at a disadvantage to myself, but at the end of the day, I still feel, I still feel good. There are situations where, I, you know, we all have had situations where we could have got over on people mm-hmm. and they wouldn't know. But you but, would know. Yeah, you know, but and that, and, that's actually in a lot of cases it makes you feel worse. So. Exactly. And so like, I feel in those situations, at least for, for me that at least in the last couple of years is. I felt before, that's why I gave my, the old self me the, an F, is because the old me in those same situations, even if I didn't do it, like slice somebody or fuck them over or do something like that, I've, I felt myself thinking about it. Where now, my first instinct is to do the right thing. It's not even, then my second thought is, damn, I could have got over on that. And then I'm like, huh. Eh. And then, you know, but but my first my first thought, my first instinct is, is, is kind of, and I, and I, again, I attach this to, Grandma, love you. Um, is is kind of that upbringing of like like I said before is with good upbringing, it's second nature to if somebody does something for you, you say thank you. You don't even think about it; it's just natural. Thank you, please, um, excuse me. Those things you don't even like. You don't even th- some like I've seen myself not even think about it. Is like in certain situations where I'm not even I shouldn't even be saying please or thank you. I'm still like please and thank mm-hmm. you. And it's like nigga, you open the door for yourself. <laughs> but it's my natural instinct. Right. Say, you know, say it's just in in me to say yeah. please or thank you or excuse me. And so I try to I'm trying to develop my mind to have that same recall and that same instinct 
to have those same moral values outside of just, you know, the things that you're taught of just being a good person. I, I kind of think of it as a, your daily life should be, you should feel like you're on that show by John Quinones or whatever. Yeah, well, what would you do? What would you do? Because, I mean, stuff like that legitimately happens in real life where if you can't think about, like, I would want to take the positive route, like, and could you always have that duality if I can do some fucked up shit and ignore it or I could do some good shit and help? It just... I feel that like, kind of like what D-Ray said, that should be your life. You should realize, you should feel like on every aspect from, yo, that dude just dropped his wallet. What, what, what would you do? If your first concept is, I could, I could jack this nigga right now, bro. He wouldn't even know. I could take all the money back and just throw his wallet in the thing. You, you, you got to realize your moral compass is a little bit on that negative side. That shouldn't be your first thought. Even if your second thought is, oh, no, I'm going to give it back. Because your first thought was illicit evil or illicit screwing somebody over so when i when i see something like that my first thought is like damn can i get it to him fast enough or even i'll even be my most corrupt is more like damn i do i feel like doing the work mm-hmm. but i you should i don't feel like your, your your concept should always be more on that positive of trying to help your fellow mankind because that could be dude's last dollar that could be that could be his rent money you just stole from him you never know what someone's going through when they're going through it. So you should always think about like them first, put you in them sh- their shoes because you may be there one day. Like my mom told me one day when uh, we were passing this dude that was homeless and I ain't gonna lie, I was a little bit of an asshole. I, was, like, I wanted to say something and I told my mom that and she was like, why? It's like, he's homeless, man. I'll never be like him. And she was like, I bet you, you don't know nothing about that homeless dude. He could have he went to college. He could have did this. He could have done that. And at that time, I was like, nah, you, you, you know, you BSing, but okay, your mom's. But as I got older, I actually met people like that. Like I met dudes with master's degrees, the dudes that were super successful, they're homeless now. And so you just kind of kind of think you could always be in that same predicament as somebody else's. So when you're thinking about doing or help, hurting or helping somebody, what would you want done to yourself? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's the truth. I think a lot of it in what both of you have seen to express too, this goes back into what your belief system is. And that influences a lot of your behavior. So even kind of even when you're at, say, your worst, when you're grading yourself at the F or you did something, you know, that was bad, you still reflected on it and you acknowledged at least that, hey, that thing was not good because yeah. my morals tell me that I should not be acting this way. This is not becoming in, you know, X, Y, and Z way. And I know with me, even when the example you gave of, of just, uh, you know, dropping the wild and stuff, like I'm very similar. And but just even the way my brain works is I'm like, Man, I got to get on this walk because they're going to think I stole it. You know, yeah, so like, I'm just like, you know what? Let me just make sure I got to separate myself. So there's like a few <laughs> other things that are just that are just playing. So unfortunately, it's like, I'm going to kick this down to her. Just <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, yeah. hey, that, that's on you. You know what like I'm saying? Hey, so, yo, sir, sir. <laughs> we bring back to society. There was a video y'all really just popped in my mind with this young man. He was maybe about 16 or 17. Some lady dropped her full pocketbook. He, you know, she had about two, three thousand dollars in there. He found her uh, her ID card, yeah, I saw that and there. he brought it to her, and she was so scared. She didn't open the door, but she turned on the camera where he put up, you know, this is your ID with all the money, and he didn't take a single dollar. And he was his moral compass was, I just want to give it back to you. When you know, there's so many people that would have been like, yo. You would have had the one person. I'm going to take the money and give it back to you, as well as I'm going to take the money and throw this wallet away, but. We don't even trust each other with our own morality between right. people. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's that's why I feel like it always skews our own morality because we're taught to trust people, but at the same time, we're, tra- we're taught to trust nobody. Right. And then we, we also manifest that in how we interact with people. If I can't trust you, why would I even give you back your wallet? Because if I go to your wallet, like you said, I'm going to go to your house, I'm going to try to do the right thing, give your wallet, and you call the cops on me, and now they said I stole a wallet, and I'm a black man on a white woman's porch. I'm screwed. Yeah. yeah it's, because it's, I try to do the right thing. Now. It's all bad now. Yeah. We're getting close to the, the conclusion. But I want to say is uh, it goes back. This kind of topic goes to uh, the Martin Luther King. It's always right to do the right thing. I love it. Um, and some of that has to, as you said, is is your belief system. Because there are people out there that will, in that same situation, come up, see a man drop, or not even a man, a person drop a wallet, a purse, and... It doesn't even come to them as in, I should give this back. It's just, I'm taking this, I'm getting the money, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I don't see anything wrong with this. And I'm not judging that person here or there. I'm just saying, that's not how I would I would do it. And if I had a son or a daughter, I would hope that they would give that wallet back. And I hope 
this goes to the the next the, the the conclusion of this is what would you be what would the solutions be if you had a son how would you raise them to have a better moral grade one as well as to not stick to these stereotypes of masculinity and emotional unavailability as a black man be the example that i want my children to be that's that's all that's Real all it is. So, so if if that means that i want them to be entrepreneurs or something then i have to put examples of being an entrepreneur constantly in their face so that it's reinforced and that they learn that they see that and that they associate that with positive things or things that you know they should be doing so that's that's the only way and you know nothing nothing is like a there's no like book yeah. in terms of it being like this is how you become the best parent or yeah, this there's is no how, handbook on this. There's no of there's no book on that, but I from just my experience, having those people around or having positive examples around gives gives the person something to aspire to and work towards. And then just having and then backing that up with the reinforcement by whatever that, that thing is. So if it's like, hey, you know, I you know, I want my child to be an entrepreneur, it's like, hey, you know, just Help them develop a business and mm-hmm. show them this is how, you know, whether it's a lemonade stand or whatever, and show them, okay, mm-hmm. this is how you have a business. This is how you save your money. <laughs> this is how you can, you know. And so even if they don't decide to go in that route, they've at least been exposed to that so that they now they know that that's an option they can do. Yeah, it's not foreign. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not foreign. For me, I agree with that. Like, I'm, I would have to be really believing the concept of Sankofa that where I'm going to pass on my wisdom all my mistakes, all my triumphs, all my, you know, my good and bad to make sure my son and or daughter had the same concept so that when they choose their path, their path is based off of knowledge for me so that they can use what I've learned to become better than I am, as well as letting them choose their own path and being there. So when they fall, I got their back as well as when they do good, you know, I'm always there. So I'm in reinforcing the positivity and being a shoulder crying for the, you know, the fall when it happens, but also showing kind of back to the original concept of what it means to be a successful or a a good thriving person in our community. That doesn't mean I have to show you have a Benz or any money monetary things. It's just showing that I'm a good person and I'm going to continue to do good things despite what everyone else says. And that's who I want to be. You have to pick your own path. Your path may be just like mine. It could be different from mine. But I just wanted to let you have the moral guidance of how I see the world and how I believe the world should be. Right. And for me, the the way that I thought about it, specifically um, on the emotional unavailability aspect, the way that I, I don't have any children. So the way that I envision this to me of changing this, this dynamic of black um, masculinity and uh, emotional unavailability is basically to teach him her, mm-hmm. um, specifically in this case of a black man, of teaching him different ways to express himself and being able to ask others to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to what you were saying of how, not even just how do you want me, how do you want me to handle this or how would you want me to deal with this? But asking more questions of why did I, why did this action that I did make you feel this way? Mm-hmm. So I can understand moving forward, you know, what other actions might trigger the same response. Understanding and understand basically giving them the tools to be more aware and attentive to others as well as himself so that he knows how he's having an effect on the world and how the world's having an effect on him Empathic. and both and being able to not only understand it, but able to accurately communicate it. Um, mm-hmm. Because for me, again, going back on this whole process of, you know, becoming better, I've learned that me being a better communicator of my emotions as well as being a better communicator and understanding others' emotions is making me better mm. by not just saying, you know, like I said, going back to the same example of saying, like, well, you didn't like my response in this. How would you have wanted me to approach it? Mm-hmm. Because I thought this was a, a appropriate approach to handling this this issue, this problem, this conversation, this topic, whatever. But apparently, for your perspective, it wasn't. So I'm explaining why I thought this was appropriate method to take. Now explain to me what you think would have been the appropriate method to take, and then I can then use all that information to to move on and navigate our next interaction. That might be similar, that might not be similar, but I have a better understanding of you, you have a better understanding of me, so there's no um, miscommunication on intent. Because I think a lot of the issues that people have is we think that somebody's trying to do something negative, and in usually in most cases, 
they're not trying to to do something negative. They're just looking out for themselves. Intent over intention. Yeah. Right. Is as they didn't in, intentionally try to hurt you, they were thinking about themselves. But with that, they hurt you. Mm-hmm. So just understanding that, I think, um, especially the younger you are and you understand that, I think that will help. Um, I think it, put it this, like I said, if, if I had a son, if he learns this at an early age and I learned it, to it's me a that's a success. Yep. And therefore, he'll be better prepared for the world. And so when he gets to this point, instead of or when when I was at my F, when he gets to that point, he might already be at a C. Yep. So when he gets to where I'm at now, where I'm at a C. He might be able to be at a B or an A without being uh, pretentious. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the way that I see it. And again, it's the dream. I'm not saying I have the perfect method. I, I know I don't. But again, it's a, a work in progress. We're all trying to just get better. And um, if you listen to this podcast, I don't want anybody to think that we're judging anybody out there. Again, we're just giving our personal experiences and our personal thoughts. We want you to share your personal thoughts, your personal experiences, and maybe you have some other suggestions uh, of solutions of deterring those negative aspects of masculinity and emotional unavailability, as well as better mental health. Give us all that information. Talk to us. You know, Leave comments. We're always open. To, to getting more information. So I want to say thank you to everybody for listening to another Stay Well podcast. Of course, this is uh, the conclusion, the second part of The Moral Dilemma, uh, the Jay-Z footnotes uh, that are on title. So I definitely suggest everybody go watch those videos. Again, leave us a comment, likes. We're on YouTube, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcast. So definitely check us out. Leave a comment, our IG, Instagram, or email us at cofounder at thesonicbreakdown.com. And again, you know our motto, live, listen to some great music, and above all, love more. And I do want to add one more thing. Let's all just try to be better people. And we're out.